This podcast is brought to you by the Kansas Hospital Association. Welcome to KHA's Plain Spoken podcast for our federal on-call episode. I'm Audrey Dunkel with the government relations team here at KHA, and joining me is Landon Fulmer, who is our boots on the ground in D.C., and we wanted to talk about what's happening in D.C. and what's happening with the budget and what that means for Kansas hospitals. Landon, what's your perspective? Well, thanks for having me on, Audrey. And I will say that it is a pleasure to represent the Kansas Hospital Association in Washington. Uh, It's something that I've had the pleasure and privilege of doing for a number of years now. And I get to see hospital executives and those connected with Kansas hospitals come through uh, and talk with our members of Congress and staff. And it's always uh, a pleasure to be able to work on these incredibly important issues at the federal level. Right now, the main issue that is vexing everyone in Washington is the federal budget. As everybody is aware, uh, we have divided government in Washington, and this means that Republicans and Democrats do have to get along in order to pass a budget. And though that's sometimes uh, a hard um, gap to bridge on a whole number of issues, everybody involved here right now knows that they have to figure this out in order to keep the machinery of government moving. What we've seen over the past year and a half uh, with the House under the control of Republicans, um, first under the speakership of McCarthy from California and now Johnson from Louisiana, is that for the most part, Republicans have had a difficult time um, getting a budget together that, that they would be able to present as an alternative to what is being passed in uh, the United States Senate. And um, though the rules in the Senate are difficult for the majority to pass a budget by virtue of the fact that they have the president in their own party that's behind them, um, that puts them at an advantage to really press on the House uh, to get what they want. It's also compounded by the fact that the Republican majority in the House of Representatives is very slim. And because of this, Uh, They just can't lose a lot of votes uh, on any bill if they intend to pass it with Republican votes only, which is a goal of not just uh, Speaker Johnson or before him Speaker McCarthy, but really is the goal of any speaker to have your entire caucus behind you when you're trying to pass a budget. We know that middle of last year, there was a, a big fight over the debt ceiling. And as part of that, there were certain top lines in spending that were agreed to by then Speaker McCarthy Uh, the Senate and um, President Biden. When in the fall they attempted to pass a budget, Speaker McCarthy um, had to try to get a stopgap continuing resolution passed, which was something that he had assured, uh, so these members said, that it was something that he wouldn't do um, and that he would pass uh, a budget that had a lower top line Uh, than what was going to be in this stopgap spending bill. And because of this, there was a rebellion among um, a a small number of people in his caucus, but a significant enough number that it took down his speakership. They formed a majority with the Democrats in the chamber and they voted him out. And so uh, after a number of ballots, uh, we now have Speaker Mike Johnson from Louisiana, who's had a little bit more of a grace period in handling these very complex budgetary issues going into the end of 2023 and forward into the beginning of 2024. At this point, 
they have extended for the third time the fiscal year 2023 budget levels uh, into what's amounting to the middle of fiscal year 2024. Uh, there are two tiers of this stopgap um, continuing resolution spending um, that are going to expire one on March 1 and one on March 8. Um, for our intents and purposes as the Kansas Hospital Association, we're really paying attention to that March 8 deadline because that's when the labor HHS and education subcommittee bill, which funds the Department of Health and Human Services, is set to expire. And at this point, since they've been able to get that breathing room, um, there's the thought now that the House will try and pass individual appropriations bills, um, which they passed a whole uh, large number of them, but not all of them. Um, there are typically 12 of them. One of them that hasn't passed is this Labor HHS Education Appropriations Bill. And there's going to be an effort made in the House over the next month to try and pass that bill across the floor. The hope among um, appropriators, those who are on the committees that write the budget on both the House and Senate sides is that they will be able to get agreements on various bills so that they can pass those and send them to President Biden's desk. Um, practically speaking, and just in terms of the amount of time they have, they may be able to get two or three of those done, but not all of them. And so that leaves the open-ended question going into late February, about a few weeks from now, what's going to happen when they have to bundle bills together? Because Speaker Johnson has been told by some members of his caucus that they don't want to support such a move. And this means that he may have to look for Democratic votes uh, in order to combine them with Republican votes in the House in order to pass the bill, which of course um, substantially undercuts the Republican position on Capitol Hill, if that were to happen. In the Senate, there is a wider group of people, both Democrats and Republicans, who are looking at uh, uh, a path forward for multiple um, individual bills. Um, but a lot of what they want to do is contingent on what they think the House is able to do. And so we could find ourselves in a situation in a couple of weeks in mid-February where everyone is looking at each other, waiting for the other one to act. We've seen this happen before, um, and it could happen again. And um, as we get closer and closer to that first deadline on March 1, I think there's going to be a lot of consternation about uh, how it is that these bills are going to be packaged. And hovering over that is going to be the implicit threat towards Speaker Johnson that was uh, levied and eventually executed towards Speaker McCarthy, which is that those who are disaffected in his caucus could be involved in a move to try to oust him as Speaker. So there's a lot of complicated politics on Capitol Hill right now as it relates to the budget. Um, but for our purposes, uh, we are trying to work toward very specific ends that I think are attainable in the federal budget and that we've been able to uh, execute successfully so far. Let's talk about what those things are. Probably the biggest thing um, that we see our hospitals facing is that ACA dish cut. And you'll remember that the ACA said, well, that disproportionate share hospital payment can be reduced because Medicaid is going to be expanded all over the country. Obviously, we know that has not happened, has not happened in Kansas. And so that dish cut has been delayed since the implementation of the ACA because of the court's decision that hospitals did not, or I'm sorry, that states 
did not have to expand Medicaid. And so that's the big one that we're really trying to hold off is that cut that's been delayed. We'd like to see it go away completely, probably landed as we've seen the last several years. It's more likely it'll get kicked down the road a couple of years, and we will be having the same discussion uh, in the next few years, just like we have a sequestration and a number of other things. Thoughts? Fixing the dish cut is one of our primary concerns in every single budget cycle. This is something that we've been talking about since the ACA passed. Uh, it's something that we talk about routinely with our congressional delegation on Capitol Hill. Um, it's one of those things that unfortunately has become something of a chronic problem, uh, meaning that uh, the cost in the out years in the budget is so high that Congress is unwilling to give it a permanent fix. And so we have to come back to Congress sometimes on an annual basis, and sometimes we're able to kick the can down the road a couple of years uh, in order to try and fix this, um, this dish cut that really when the ACA passed, nobody thought this would be a problem but it has become a problem. And it's something that we believe it's Congress's responsibility to continue to fix as long as it exists. And so um, this is something we've been successful at getting uh, kicked down the road in every single budget cycle. And we don't think that this one is going to be any different. We got the dish fix in the first CR, we got dish fix in the second CR, we got the dish fix in the third CR, we expect that we will get the dish fix in a final budget for fiscal year 2024, whenever that passes. And so just for those of you who don't know how much money we're talking about, with that, what's being delayed, it's about $8 billion in annual cuts at this point. So it is a lot of money. So it is big discussion when we talk about the budget. I know when we're talking about trillions and trillions of dollars, $8 billion doesn't seem like that much, but it is a big ask of Congress. So we're keeping an eye on that one. So Landon, let's talk a little bit about some other policies that have been floating out there and some discussions that have been had that we're trying to keep out of this budget bill. Uh, one of them is this continued discussion about site-neutral payment policies. And we heard about more about implementing site-neutral payment policies today in the House Energy and Commerce Committee meeting that was, they were really discussing what's the cause of the, you know, increasing costs of healthcare. We've also seen three or four bills that included some sort of site-neutral payment, meaning that if you have a hospital outpatient department, they shouldn't be able to charge more than the doctor's office to provide the same service. Now, the bill that's passed in the House really was about um, infusion services, drug medication, or drug administration services. And so obviously the first one we are very concerned about, um, Senator Marshall was very helpful in, on the Senate side, getting that pulled out of a piece of legislation in the health committee that was being discussed. It's feel good on the Senate side, we have several support, but this issue continues to come up. What do we think the math is on whether or not we're going to see that in the budget bill, Landon? I think it's going to be really difficult for the proponents of site-neutral payment schemes to get that into the budget because this is one issue that the entire um, community of hospitals, whether it's state hospital associations, the AHA, the NRHA, uh, and everyone in between has been so adamant that this is a really um, raw idea that doesn't take into account the complexity of what it is that hospitals do. Um, I, I don't think they're going to be able this year to get it into um, the fiscal year 2024 budget. And in fact, one of our major pushes in talking with our members of our delegation is to make sure that dish cuts are filled in the budget, to make sure that the um, Medicare-dependent hospital program is continued in the budget, the low-volume hospital program in, Medi in Medicare is continued in the budget, but at the same time, not paying for any of that with central payment schemes that would essentially treat hospitals like doctor's offices or dentist's offices. Um, this is uh, something that we've gone to great lengths to educate 
uh, not just our congressional delegation, um, but uh, but other folks that are that are connected to um, the policymaking world in Washington to show that hospitals are providing services that those other healthcare providers, though very important, do not provide. And there's a reason why there are differences that are charged by hospitals Medicare. Interestingly, um, even though I feel that we're going to be successful this year in heading those off as a payment scheme for other parts of the federal budget, we also see that insurance companies are starting to take up the mantle with their own so-called site-neutral policies uh, for private insurance that would essentially remove the ability of hospitals to negotiate with them on how much those insurance companies are going to be uh, uh, by hospitals for using their facilities. So, um, you know, when Blue Cross Blue Shield puts out something that says that they're going to save, you know, billions and billions of dollars from the healthcare system, what they mean is that they're going to save money and they're going to put that as um, uncompensated care on hospitals. Um, and so uh, we continue to fight this on multiple fronts. We do believe that we have the ears of some very powerful on Capitol Hill, um, including Senator Marshall. Uh, Senator Marshall was vital in helping to get a site neutral payment scheme pulled out of a bill that was going to be considered by Senate um, Health Education, Labor and Pensions Committee this past summer. And we're grateful to him for that. But we know that we have to continue to tell our story about why it is that hospitals are different from these other healthcare providers, why it is not reasonable that you put hospitals in the kind of straitjacket for Medicare payments um, that would really create a lack of flexibility for hospitals to continue to provide the other incredible care that we do for Medicare beneficiaries. Thanks, Landon. Well, I would just ask all of the listeners to make sure that you check in the KHA Grassroots Tool. Next week, you're going to see an alert to reach out once again to our congressional delegation and talk to them about why site neutral payment policies would be bad for your hospital. So keep an eye out for that. For now, this is the update from Federal On Call from KHA's Plain Spoken Podcast. Thank you. For more information on Kansas health issues, go to kha-net.org.